welcome to Pete, Scott, and Richard, my fellow co-hosts on Behind the Geeks. Uh, we were in the show where we talk about all things behind the scenes, running an MSP and growing an MSP and all the craziness that goes on with that. And this week, after last week's episode, where we were talking about direct response marketing and traditional marketing methods and email marketing, uh, we ended up ending the episode. And then we dived into about a half an hour conversation around credit control and talking about payment terms and all cash flow and all that sort of stuff. And so we thought, hey, let's set this week's topic talking about payment terms and credit crunches and cash flow and, and all those sorts of things. Because uh, all of the other juicy stuff that we talk about in MSP is good, like pricing and packaging and plans and sales and marketing and all that stuff. But cash really is the lifeblood of a business. And if you don't have your cash in place, all of that other stuff means sweet FA. Uh, this is a G-rated show, so I'm, I'm using a, a abbreviations there. <laughs> I think I made up another word. So tonight we're going to talk about all that stuff of, and whether it actually is possible for an MSP to get 100% of their work paid up front. And um, we can share a few stories in there. I know from my experience, when I first started my MSP, I was the world's worst at invoicing clients. I would uh, do a job and then I would probably invoice them six months later sometimes. And I even got my managed service agreements to the point where I didn't even invoice them for a six month period of time. Like I was horrendous. And I'd give, so I'd give these six month terms to people until I nearly sent myself out of business a couple of times. And then when I sold my business, I was on the exact opposite end of the spectrum in that 90, probably 95 to 97% of our revenue was all upfront cash in bank before we did anything. And that was a journey to go through that whole particular process. But tonight, I think think we might uh, kick off talking about just the different ways that you can you can deal with that sort of stuff. So I'm going to hand over to one of you guys because I've butchered the beginning and I wasn't ready for it because Richard was talking about sex faces off air before we started. <laughs> What happened to G-rated? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and so uh, I'll jump in because after the show last week, one of the questions that you said was, hey, what should we chat about next week? You know, what are some of the biggest pains that people have? And I was like, well, I'll tell you what, the biggest pain I'm having right now is getting people to pay on time, genuinely, because that's the thing that will cause me sleepless nights. You know, if we get to the end of the month and there isn't money for payroll and, and things like that, that's that's where as the the player manager, I'm like, oh, this, this is not a good shape to be in. Um, and, and it was caused by, you know, for us, you know, it, it, it's a lot of things. But one of the most recent examples, I think, was we'd finished a piece of work in September for about £9,000 of consultancy. And we got paid just about in January after a lot of chasing and haggling and hassling. And it's absolutely crackers. You know, we, we give... 14-day terms. We are very clear about that. We did a fantastic piece of work. They were happy. The client was happy. Everyone was happy with the work. But when it came to the payments, mm -mm. And, and you get the usual, oh, yeah, no, just it's, you know, oh, yes, oh, no, I've told the person and yeah, it's you're on the next pay run. And even after chasing for three months, it wasn't like we'll get paid today. It's, oh, no, 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 I've, I've definitely checked and you're on the next payment run. <laughs> okay, well, when is that? Because I've already waited three months. I think it just sparked this whole conversation where we were talking about, you know, for us, you know, we do a lot of professional services work. And so that's where these types of things come in, where we go, hey, you know, we'll we'll happily do the job. And maybe this has just been us being too friendly in our first two years of business. We'll do the job and don't you worry about it. There's there's no, you know, hardware for us to acquire or software licenses. Actually, now I think about it, even the projects that we do with software licenses, we bill afterwards. What am I thinking? But we do, we do all that stuff. And, you know, then we're super friendly about it. And even the, it got me thinking about the whole process, like the quoting, the invoicing, 
the project delivery, and even to the point where when we're closing off the projects and we've done the work and we're saying to the client, hey, we just need to get in that project wrap-up call. Project wrap-up call for us means you've said everything's okay, right, so we're going to send the bill. But that project wrap-up call often gets pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. The client's busy. They've done the work. Everything's working as they expect. Now, this nice-to-have wrap-up call isn't very important and can often get pushed back as well. And so it's just made us question the whole way that we're doing things. And Nigel, it was your point to me to say, look, they, they pay up front every time. And, and I was like, can, can we even do that? Is that a thing? Like for our, for our regular recurring services, we have direct debits. Okay, so the invoice goes on the first, the cash is in the bank by the seventh. Ta-da, that's, that's it, nice and easy. But the professional services for me has been a nightmare just getting people to pay. And and our projects will range anywhere from five grand to the biggest one we had waiting, I think was 40,000 pounds. All labor. Or yeah, 40 grand, two months late. Right. After, oh. after, and yeah, all labor, you know, and we were just, this this is killing us now. Um, yeah, right. You know, what, what can we do differently? And we've heard about things like invoice factoring, which I know we're going to talk about later. Yeah. But I just, I had that conversation. And again, it was just me being honest about my experience. And, and I was like, I'm not the only one. You're telling me there's this great way of getting people to pay up front. You know, this is this is the easy life. This is the stress-free experience that MSP owners should have. And I'm like, well, I haven't got that. And I bet I'm not the only one. So it's probably nope. an interesting chat to have. Nope. 100%. Richard, you were you mentioned something in the chat then that Yeah. I when we do these type of topics, and you and I, Nigel, have talked about this within the Tet Tribe and other forums and things, typically we get pushback immediately from MSPs who is saying there is no way that my client will pay up front or my client would never do this, that, or the other. I'm really uh, warmed to look at the chat and see so many people, <laughs> Damien, uh, Nick, yeah. so many others, Ryan, saying, yes, this is possible. We can charge up front. So that's the first thing. So if you are watching this as an MSP Belief. and going, there is, there is no way that my clients will go for this, uh-uh, that is an assumption on your part. That is not what the clients are believing because there are hundreds of thousands of MSPs that do this, first of all. And the second thing that I wanted to do, I'm getting on my high horse here, people. The whole thing that Scott mentioned there about, oh, you've missed the payment run. Well, we'll catch up with you next time. That is the biggest load of on the planet. All of us have got one of these now. If Pete texted me and said, hey, mate, can I borrow 10 grand? If Nigel said, hey, can you uh, you know, send this money across to me? It would be there before the time I'd finished the sentence. So for any other clients who are saying to you, you've missed the payment run, that is a choice they are making to not pay you, and it's nothing at all to do with the technology. So, yeah, you know, that's a big thing in place. And I think we need to, as an industry, call out this bull where clients are saying to us, like, you've missed the payment date or this is our process, this is our system. Because some people have made the point in the chat already, if we behave like that and said, well, we totally understand you're going to pay us in three months' time, we're halting the service until then or we're turning off email until then or whatever it might be, they would soon change their tune. But I'm real world about this and I know there's a balance between we don't want to PO the clients against... (laughs) Actually, but there's there is a halfway house. There is a balance to be found there. So I will step down from my site box there <laughs> and go back a bit. I, I, I think, think a lot of it is a... in the communication, like ahead of time, yeah. like when you're quoting that yeah. stage when you communicate your payment terms and all that kind of stuff. Because I think quite a common thing to fall into is most of us are techies. We've all had like a technical background. 
you just want to go out and fix the thing or install the thing or do do the thing that you've quoted to do payments like the afterthought even though it should be like one of the first things you think about to us it's all an afterthought because right i've done the work right now i invoice now i get paid for it and um yeah exactly to what nigel was saying i mean I, i've got some of my coaching clients uh um like 60 days out on their invoicing and they're struggling and they're like yeah but you've got and they they tell me every time like oh, i've got about 60 or 70 grand worth of stuff sat there in invoicing that's ready See, to go yeah, that's receivable well that could probably pay for somebody to come and hire them to go and do it for you surely if you know you've got that much <laughs> yeah. in there yeah so i think definitely when you're like at the quoting stage and and certainly for big projects it'd be interesting to know your guys take but um around big projects i don't think you can build for the entire thing up front i mean on a 40 grand project mm. which is labor I don't think you build the whole thing, but you can do deposits, you can do staged payments, um, billing milestones, we used to call them. So throughout the project, you're saying, okay, when I reach this milestone, we're going to build the next chunk and the next chunk. And those will get paid on maybe they're uh, well, either collected through direct debit or maybe collected on like 15-day payment terms or something that's short at least. Very briefly on payment terms, I think they should be as short as possible. I don't personally believe in 30-day payment terms, but you know, if, if you're out there and doing the work, you should get paid. Oh, oh, oh. No, you, no, you oh, can finish oh. off. I, I want to dive in next on that because I've been... And I was going to speak because of that, lots of the suppliers are on 30-day terms. Yeah. So if you get paid on 15-day terms, you get paid before you pay your suppliers. Um, over to you. Uh, <laughs> I don't believe in payment terms. <laughs> Simple as that. And and I like the 30-day, like we got our MSP down to zero terms. Like zero, we, we offered no terms. Everything was COD or CBD. Simple as that. Now, that's not to say what, that 100% of our CBD, revenue... CBD, sorry, for those of us that don't oh, sorry. know what... Um, cash on delivery or cash before delivery. So there was the two two separations we had there um, based on two different types of things. And and But I started off on like payment net 30s that we would invoice 45 days later, so that would be net 95s or whatever the heck it was. But we ended up getting to the point where we ran for years on, on no terms at all across all our projects, across all our clients, across all our labor, materials, product, everything. There was, and as I was saying to, to Scott and um, Richard on the call last week, there was a few scenarios that we, we tweaked those rules when a new client was coming in and they had no trust in us and they dealt with a previous IT company that lost trust in and they just, they didn't want to go and pay for projects up front because there was no, like they had to rebuild trust in the outsourced IT space. And so we, in those instances, gave them, typically the ones that we did were 80% upfront terms on the, the project in whole, and that included product and labor. And then the end of it was we, the, the remaining 20% was due within 14 days of us deciding that the project is finished. So that meant the client couldn't put off this end of project closure meeting for a month or two at a time to push the payment terms out. And, um, and so we did that for a few clients just to get them comfortable with dealing with us. But, but I, um, the story I mentioned to Scott and Richard last week, and I've mentioned this in the tribe a number of times, is that in my MSP, we got to, uh, in my early years, I was, we were only like three staff at the time. And so we were tiny and, um, and we had number of clients and I had my accounts receivable sometimes sitting at 80 to a hundred thousand dollars of accounts receivable for a little three person company, which was just stupid. And our average debtor days, which is the average number of days you've got debt outstanding was sitting at something like 48 or 45 or something like that. And the worst happened, like we're out there going, oh, it would never happen to this client, right? Like this client's existed for 60 years. They're one of Australia's most loved charities and they've got a board of directors and they've got governance, they've got 600 employees and whatever. And I get the phone call that they've gone out of business, right? And that was 50 grand sitting on my accounts receivable thing or 40, 47 or something. And that nearly sent me out of bloody business. I, could, I was like, Scott, I couldn't pay payroll. I couldn't pay anything. Um, so I learned a little bit then. I tightened up terms and I did whatever. I didn't get to fully cash before delivery at that point in time. And so I still gave a little bit of credit away and whatnot. 
But then it happened to me again, and it was on a $30,000 phone deal where I'd gone and bought all these, these Cisco phones and an entire phone system and put the whole thing in and all the labor and everything on it. And that business not only went out of business, the guy was charged with fraud because he, he did a whole pile of stuff and went to jail. And, um, and we got caught up in that. And I lost nearly like that much again. And so from that point onwards, I was like, I was so the opposite. I, I went straight to the other side of the fence and there was just no terms, no nothing. And I, I had to go kind of cap in hand to clients and say, guys, like, We've nearly gone out of business twice now in the last year, and and it's because I'm shit. I'm sorry, beep, I'm crap. <laughs> we have blown the GDPG rating for this week. <laughs> I am not. I am not good at um, like I'm not a bank. I, I'm not good at credit risk management. I'm, we're good at IT. We can roll out awesome IT projects for you. We give you great customer experience and everything else. You can't treat us like a bank. We can't be your bank. We can't float your terms. We can't do anything like that. If you want to, we'll work with your finance institution to make all of that stuff happen. And we've got a preferred person that you can use that we have other clients use. And I never had a bit of pushback from a single client. And I mentioned, I saw someone in here saying, big enterprise often push for 60 days. Nick mentioned this. Um, yeah. We had that with, like we had one of our clients was 800 staff. Another one was a little bit less. Um, they were the easiest ones, funnily enough, um, to switch across. I don't know why, but they were the ones that, they would ring up and say, oh, we need this project done. And we'd quote the whole thing out. She goes, oh, look, I can't get finance right now. So I'm just going to send you the entire 80 grand invoice upfront cash just to get it done. And when finance comes through, because they used to lease a lot of their stuff, can you just send me back the 80 grand? And that was on a large client, not a small client. So it can be done on larger clients. But I will also say there is enterprise that are just enterprise, the enterprisee, where they've got that whole kind of corporate buddy structure that you've got to go through their payment terms. In those instances, you've got to sit down, like Pete said, that's when you sit down and you figure it out in the beginning up front. You say, okay, well, what are your payment terms, guys? Because we need to make sure that we can work with your payment terms in here. And if that means your payment terms are 60 days, we're going to need two months up front, right? Or we're going to need a three month up front or whatever it happens to be to make sure that we're able to resource to support your agreement before we get going. We can't work with 60 day payment terms in our business and provide you the service that we need to provide you in there. And that starts from that, that upfront conversation, like that, that thing in the beginning. And, and most of the time, you should be able to get that by. There's going to be some instances where you can't. You've got to kind of weigh up that. And you can you can then jump into that whole invoice factoring world that Scott mentioned where you can palm those invoices off and take a percent and put that percent inside your invoice or inside your costs so that you're not paying it. The client really pays it in the long run. And it means that you get your cash much easier. But that's um, part of my soapbox. I'll hand it over to someone else that wanted to dive into something. I've got about 20 different points I can run through on here and I can talk all night. I'll, I'll just cover off briefly from Theo's question there about when you provide products, uh, include the hardware and software, have some payouts, pays up front for the hardware. D definitely agree with that. So if you're currently in a stage where you're getting, you know, 15, 30 day terms or whatever it is, and people are buying things like servers or, or large amounts of equipment from you, like have, have a blanket rule of anything over two grand or anything over five grand payment in advance before you order the hardware they send payment across because that removes your risk from from the whole kind of order process so that's something i would definitely do from day one like if, if you're currently on payment terms tomorrow change your like quotes to say payment in advance for anything over 5k or something on those i don't lines. think so you even need it over 5k like it should be anything pretty much like ours was anything because it's the reason being is it's so easy to accept payment nowadays so yeah it's more for i'm thinking more when you're say you're installing a pc and it's yeah. like a 500 or 1,000 pound dollar PC and you're, you're chucking two or 300 in insulation on top. It doesn't seem, it's not worth, in my opinion, it's not worth the hassle to then send the invoice for the PC first, then a few days later, send the invoice for just the labor when in a week you've probably set it up and installed it anyway. Oh, right. Okay, gotcha. We did it slightly differently. Um, we did it so that whenever we quoted a PC, there was always a labor cost fixed fee on the invoice, on the quote. 
And so it would right. be a fixed, they, they get to choose from a fixed fee on-site or a fixed fee remote and a premium if they were a client that had some extra additions in there. And so they would accept the quote. The second they accept the quote, pops up saying, hey, do you want to pay right now so that we can order the thing for you? And they'd, they'd do it all in one. There was no, we didn't have that after thing in there, which I understand um, how that works, but we we ended up not having it, which is why it made it easier the way we did it then to, mm. to make sure that like PCs, anything, like ancillary stuff like cables and whatever, sure, you'd kind of throw that in and most of the time tack it on, but even $500, $1,000, like there was no, we didn't have a limit. Like we quote you something, go through the exact same process, whether it's $500 or $50,000 in there. And um, and it made it easier. Like everything was on the one invoice for the men for the PC as well. Like they could just the allocate that against whatever department. The first time it goes wrong is when you change your mind on this. And again, for anybody watching True, this yeah. who's like, yeah, that wouldn't work. I can tell the story. I've shared it with Scott and Nigel and that before. But, you know, we had a 10 grand piece of uh, hardware um, that we had a good relationship with the clients and they were like, yeah, 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 we'll pay you. But 10 grand at that stage of our business growth was the difference between us making payroll or not. Yeah, yeah. And the client didn't pay. And there was phone calls. I ended up going around to the MD's house and saying, if you don't pay this, like we're in some serious uh, trouble here. And uh, yeah, it got resolved, but I can tell you I had two sl- really sleepless nights there. And so for anybody watching this, it's like, yeah, I, I can't really ask the clients to pay up front for things. You only have to go through that once, that yeah. situation that I talked about, it will change your entire mindset around this. So, oh, yeah. you know, I often talk about helping IT business owners to avoid the mistakes that I made. <laughs> but that's really near the top. If you can put that in place so you don't have to have that heartache, and sleepless nights, please do it. Please take the advice here. Hundred percent. And I think one of the things that I've I've found is like we we learned this over the last. Because again, you know, forgive me, we're only two years old, so we're you know we're still learning a lot of these lessons. And we we spent the first year trying to be really nice and supportive and helpful. And oh, do you know what? Just pay us when we're finished. It's all good. Don't worry about it. And it didn't seem to matter about the size of the project. And I've just realized, you know, we've done that where there's been thousands of pounds of bit tighten licenses and all sorts of stuff in those projects. And we've, you know, been out of pocket for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks until we've eventually finished and done the handover call and signed it off. And so we learned from that um, and we started to say, okay, look, if it's a, a, a bigger chunk, let's say it's a 10K project, or we know it's going to take six to eight weeks to truck roll this because it's just, you know, just the time it takes, then we'll bill 50% up front. And so we bill the 50% up front, we start on the project and we think, hey, that's cool. But we still build the 50% up front on 30-day payment terms. Right. And so then they were still late <laughs> and then it was still six weeks before we got any cash in the bank, at which point we've nearly finished the delivery anyway and it's time to send the second invoice. And all we've done now is make it 12 weeks before we actually yeah. get paid. And I'm looking at the chat and everyone's saying, look, we, we bill up front and we charge up front and great, 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 great. Cash in bank up front yep. or you bill with payment terms up front. That's what I want to know because cash in bank. this is what I'd like to change. Cash in bank. Right. It was cash in bank for us or that they'd use the credit card system because we know it would be cleared two days later. So we'd place the order then once we got the credit card sign off from our bank. But it was cash in bank. It was not when we'd invoiced at all. It was always when we'd received cash in our bank. And for context, I don't want to, like, I don't want this to come across that hey, everybody's got to go and do this on day one, right? Like that took me years to kind of get the confidence to get to that point, and to like we transitioned clients through that kind of journey from that horrible spot that I was at to where we were at. It took time to get there, and so my encouragement to anybody reading this is you're going to be somewhere in between me and me 15 years ago and me five years ago, right? And and the key is just that you can get to where I 
did eventually get to, which was pretty much no credit or 97% or something of our revenue was was upfront cash in bank, as you just mentioned, Scott, which is a very bloody important distinction in there because it's not in your bank, it's sitting on your balance sheet and that's useless as tits on a bull, <laughs> pardon my language. I'm dropping them all out tonight. Oh, we should strike two more. Oh, sorry, guys. There's a couple of hundred K sat on, on my, uh, my uh, you know, accounts receivable I'd, I'd be delighted if i could spend all of that right now yeah. um yeah. look at the look at the comments cash in bank cash in bank cash in bank cash in bank <laughs> but it took 17 years to get there if i can learn from this yeah. you know i think other guys can learn from this as well this is awesome this is giving me the, the hard way as well like me yeah. i think definitely the um yeah, I think definitely like the, obviously getting payment in you know, cash in bank in advance is like the end goal. Like everyone wants to get the money in their bank before they do any of the work. And like Nigel says, it's a it's obviously a journey to get there. Um, so I know we've got things like invoice factoring, which we can talk about in a moment if you like. Um, there's also something that I came across that was like this hidden secret that no one ever really told me about. Though friends of mine were using it and not saying a thing. So we had an example where a client of ours wanted. Um, slightly longer payment terms for something. I can't remember exactly the details around it. I think they they needed it in the next tax year and they couldn't pay for it in that mm. tax year or something along those lines. And it was just beyond our, our, our normal payment terms. And it was also just beyond our supplier's payment terms, which meant we would have had to fronted the whole lot of cash to buy the kit first and then waited a week or two to actually you know, to be able to pay it off. And, and we couldn't suck it up. You know that, that would be like we couldn't pay our staff kind of level because it was a, a, a big purchase. So what I ended up doing, and actually... We spoke to TechDate about it. I'm just make sure I'm not going to show anything secret on here. American Express. Um, I don't know if it's a, a... I mean, I'm sure everyone knows about it nowadays, but American Express was something that I didn't know about. Um, but you can pay off, particularly with um, suppliers like TechDate, you can pay off your account with American Express yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. and then get another seven or two weeks worth of payment terms. We've got 45 so that days for us, out here reached the gap for us mm. so we could actually do exactly what they needed we didn't pay for anything technically because it was just sat on our credit account we also credit check the customers which i, I don't know if it might be worth talking about credit checking as well um okay. but so we we knew they were good for it you know we knew they're not going to you know go out of business in the next couple of weeks or so and so that extended it so we could do what we needed and you get a ton of points so you can go and spend yeah. it on like amazon and flights and all sorts Except of things you can't like, use yeah. them at the moment <laughs> I got nearly well, two million points <laughs> lying around at the moment that you can't bloody fly it, or we look, we can't now. One of my opinions is if you're like, it's definitely if you're an IT business owner, like get an Amex card because oh God, yeah. the amount of points yeah. you can accumulate from from you know yeah. all the monthly stuff yeah. you're spending on, like your RMM, your ConnectWise, like all that stuff can just go straight on the Amex card, and you know you can put through like fifty grand, a hundred grand a month on Amex yeah. and just get a ton of points and money back. The top of the tree here in the UK, we've got um, Capital on Tap, who have got a Mastercard, uh, sorry, a Visa card, and so if you've got a supplier that doesn't take Amex, then Capital on Tap. So I would have the one two whammy in the UK, Amex for like everything that can be uh, used for it. Without Capital charge. on Tap, you can you can make hundreds, if not thousands, of pounds a year on cashback on those type of things. So very oh, yeah. good point. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, want, do you want to touch on credit checking briefly? Yeah, yeah. I, you guys I, do I a lot a... more of that in the UK, I think, don't you? Like we, we, I've only heard it from UK MSPs. The whole credit checking. You've got some great services and stuff that do it. So I'm keen to hear a bit about this. Yes, there was Credit Safe was the one that I've used yeah. a lot over the years, and yeah. um, it, it's great because you can basically, whenever you're looking with, you know, we're looking to work with any client, you can sign up, type in their company name, and it will give you a whole credit history of like their credit score, the credit rating. Right. It also gives you a rough um, amount that you can kind of suck up from yeah. a credit point of view from both one-off. Pro uh, project point of view and a monthly 
perspective as well. And you can also see the history. So you can see if it's trending towards they're getting worse or they're getting better and the credit's going up every single year. Um, you can pull out finance documentation. You can pull out their annual accounts um, from companies' houses where you can get a load of stuff through Credit Safe. And it's, it's up to date as well. And the, the really good thing we found with this, and this isn't a plug for them, was that you can monitor companies. So we monitored all of our customers. Right. We monitored all of our competitors. And so if anything changed, yeah. it would ping us alert, say their credit status has changed. It's dropped through the right. floor, new directors. We, we had a, in, an instance where one of our clients, all the directors and shareholders changed overnight. Everyone resigned. Phoenix whole new time. Were appointed, and they sold the business but not told anyone. We were the first person to find out. So we could then get on the phone and say, look, I know something's changed. Can we come in and have a chat and just get to know you? And that potentially would have saved us because they might have had some you know, other thoughts in the background of, oh, we're going to bring in our other IT company, whatever it's going to be, to, to take over. So being first to know what's going on also means you're first on the debtors list if you ever do need to mm. go and put in a claim or you know go and chase for, for late payment if they're going bust because you know they're going bust because it tells you they've right. just been you know voluntary liquidation or whatever it's going to go through. So having a service like that, I think if you can combine that with if you're having payment terms, then at least you know that they're good for it. And particularly when you're taking on new clients as well, you can credit check new clients before you offer credit terms. And we always did um, payment in advance for the first thing you do, and then we'll credit check you and you know make right. sure you establish a good line of credit, and then you can have a credit account with like, fifteen day terms. So in the UK, how does that? How does all that data feed back to those credit services? So do do you as like if if a client defaulted on a payment to you, could you go and alert some authority over there that then got sucked into that and they use some sort of algorithm to see all of those alerts or something i, I believe it's there's i think there's integrations with systems like sage which will actually report oh, really? payments I, I believe really? so i've not actually seen any well, of the payment companies like sage. Out of date, i think right yeah so it, it's it's a lagging indicator but it's really? still better than than nothing so yeah. and that, that that's what helps come up with that amount as well that you mentioned pete like you can figure out how much money you could potentially float them in credit like it, all of that data goes into some algorithm over there yeah, I think they, they analyze all the financial stats of like, you know, what... what oh, uh, right, because I believe you guys can see financials of every private company over there, can't you? To a, to a certain extent, yeah. Right. When you get to, is it 2 million, you have to report like full financials in your annual right. accounts? Right, yeah. okay, yeah, that, that that would help explain where all that data is coming from because we don't have anything mm. like that over here. Like if you're a private company, you're a private company, you don't see your accounts. Like no one's got mm. access to it. If you default on a debt or whatever... It's it, no one knows unless you unless it's so serious that the bank has tried to put you in a liquidation when it then will show up on your your credit history. But that's that's kind of the last step. You can do so much before that last step that no mm. one will ever see out here in Australia. So it's really hard to it's, gather that. It's sort really of good over here. If you yeah, um, awesome. you you can track it by like company name, but you can also go by director and shareholder name. So if you've oh, got really? like the company owner, you can go what what other companies do they own? You can look at all their companies. Oh man, that would have saved me that thirty grand one, yeah. the fraud guy, because he had a history of it in the past. Well, it, exactly, it stops all of that. You can see, yeah. oh, there's been a company liquidated after a year, and another one, and another one, and yeah, another yeah. one. You, you yeah, can find yeah, out yeah. all about from, from credit models. You mentioned credit tape, Credit safe, it credit yeah, safe one 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 yeah. So for anybody watching this and, and just starting out, these are you know paid services that you can use, and they're definitely worth the investment. But for those of you who are sort of on the on the line a little bit here and thinking I don't want to pay for those services, you can actually get a lot of free credit checking uh, tools at a certain degree. Uh, Iowaka do some. Uh, if you have a look for free credit checks of business, you will right. find some. Um, right. And there's if you're a part of mem- if you're a member of like the Federation of Small Businesses or 
maybe business chambers and things like that, a lot of these organizations provide rudimentary uh, credit checking. So the reason oh, I mentioned that is just get on board, see the value of it, and then you'll soon yeah. realize that, you know, paying a monthly subscription to these services is well right. worthwhile. Yeah, right. We, we do have a service called, oh, sorry, it. Pete, you go. Sorry, Pete. I was going to say, for, for us, it's the value of not having it because that could save us thousands of pounds worth of payment mm. if we got it wrong. Yeah, um, sure. yeah, some people are a little bit more reticent, aren't they, to pay what yeah. another subscription? And now uh, my clients are always going to pay me that first think, ten grand when you don't get it. Yeah. That's what it becomes until they don't. Until I that think money one. wise, Credit Safe, I believe, was about two hundred pounds a quarter, something along those lines, for those that might be interested anyway. in it. Money and you spent. you can really negotiate that down. So whatever, right. whatever price they give you, is not just just go cheaper. Right. Well, that's awesome. Out here in Australia, we've got a service called Creditor Watch, which is a paid service, but it only watches for the publicly available information, which is like, like you said, the director changes and shareholder changes and stuff like that. That's got to go on the ASIC record out here. Uh, it doesn't monitor for, and it can monitor for payment defaults only if they've got to the serious point of being registered on the thing, which is, it's kind of, as I said, it's that last straw when someone's trying to put a, a statutory demand or a, a, um, a, a liquidation role onto the, or liquidation thing onto the company. But um, they, they can help with some of those things. We just don't have that awesome extra level of visibility out here yet that you guys do. So if you're um, talking about credit checking your... Sorry, Pete, go ahead, I'll, mate. I'll add it briefly to finish that one off. Um, if you're also yeah. credit checking your competitors, you, if, if, if they're going downhill <laughs> and you know they go downhill, that's a great opportunity to maybe speak to their staff and see call, if they... Call their testimonials on their website. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, we've never done this, Pete. It wasn't us, but a friend that I knew run an MSP business who had credit checking when they saw that their competitor's credit rating was going down and there was issues, sort of stuff you mentioned with directors, uh, there was friendly overtures made to some members of staff uh, there that, uh, that worked out. So I would never, ever recommend that, yeah, but I know other people who've done it. Yeah, yeah, yeah we've yeah. talked about mitigating, haven't we? Mitigating the risk of credit check. Let's talk about something that's really on people's minds, which is, okay, when people are overdue, uh, with payments Ooh. or coming up due or whatever Ooh. the accounts receivable control this is like huge and anybody watching this who's gone through the nightmare of doing it knows it's such a big pain scott and i were talking last week uh, just after we went off air about this it's like everybody who gets into the msp industry or most everybody who gets in does it because they like helping people and so helping people delivering services brilliant Asking them for money, not so much. <laughs> so that's a big issue. So let's talk about accounts receivable. The number one thing that I did within my business was to get a lady, she won't be watching this, so I can speak freely about her, Helen, who was an absolute bulldog when he came <laughs> to speaking to clients. Now, what happened there? Helen would be the one who phoned and said, hey, your bill's going to be due in three days' time. Are you all set to pay? Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, money will be there. And then she would phone them again on the day. And if they were overdue, she would phone them and there would be no nicety. She would be straight in there with like, are you able to pay this? And the language is really interesting there. Are you able to pay this? Not when are you going to pay this? So there's a bit of an ego there, especially if you're speaking to male MDs and financial directors. Are you able to pay this bill? <laughs> so, there. But this, so she used to do that. And then when the client came to me, and moaned about her and said, we've just had one of your team phone us and she has been really rude. And I'm like, dude, I totally understand. Yeah, she scares the living out of us as well. Look, the best thing you can do is just pay it because we've got no control off her. She's a loose cannon, man. And all <laughs> of that sort of stuff. So, you know, I'm, I'm over-egging it here a little bit, but you get the idea. If you can get a virtual assistant 
or, or a bookkeeper or somebody who has got a dominant personality to make those calls, mm. you can distance yourself from being the bad guy asking for the money yeah. and remain the good guy who delivers the services. Yeah, and so important. Scott, you and I were talking last week about this and some of the services that are you, you can get to, to outsource those type of things as well. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I heard a very similar story from another UK MSP who said, oh, we, we have a, a lovely lady. When the invoice is sent out, she calls the client to say, we've sent you an invoice today. I just want to make sure that you've received it. <laughs> and she'll sit and she'll wait and she'll make sure that they've got it in their inbox. They've definitely seen it. And then she'll call them around two weeks before the deadline and just say, I'm just checking. You remember me. We spoke at the beginning of the month and, you know, just checking. It's two weeks to go. Everything okay? Good stuff. All right. I'll see you soon. And then on the day, hello, just to remind you, your invoice is due today. Everything okay? All good to pay? And she was lovely about it. Now, I know because I'm a techie. I look in zero and it says, hey, they've seen the invoice. It was sent and they opened it at this time and date. So I know that. That doesn't help me get paid. I, I, you know, I'm still three months late, even though I know they saw it on the day it came in. But this approach, and, the, and Richard, your approach there, I love, which is just this, either, either the bulldog or the, you can have the carrot or the stick. You get the friendly one, good cop, bad cop. Someone's actually phoning. And then it doesn't have to be you if you're a, you know, a nimble MSP. It can be a VA. You know, yeah. They can phone up the client judge. I want to make sure you've received this. Are we on track for the payment date? Is everything okay? And then they can check in halfway before it's due just to double check. There are also some outsource services, Richard, that you and I chatted about, like Chaser HQ. Um, yeah. So that's chaserhq.com. They will take your overdue invoices if you're using a Zero or a QuickBooks or something like that. They, they can have access. They will take those overdue invoices and send up more automated chasing than you would normally do. But one of their premium packages is once it's gone beyond your tolerance, whatever you set that as, they will start making phone calls and they'll phone up the client. Hi, you know, where are you with this payment? Are you able to make the payment, Richard, <laughs> like the, the language that you use? Is there a problem we need to know about? Fast. Um, food all gets a service. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they do that for you. And so again, it's something you don't have to do. Um, it's probably a little more expensive than maybe having your VA go through and just maybe do those setup calls. You know, we've sent you the invoice. Have you received it? Those nice calls are a really easy VA task. But... The Chase HQ service is very strong, I think, if you're consistently not getting paid. But I think between everything that we're talking about today, if we can set the right expectations up front with the clients, if we can be bold enough to say, no, no, it's cash in bank. This, this is how we roll. And like I think we chatted about after the show last week, if it's the first one's going to make you nervous, the first few are going to make you nervous mm -hmm. if you're not yeah. already doing this. But once you get into that mindset and once you start getting clients who do pay you, your next conversation is really easy because it's, no, no, this is how we do things. 100%. This is how our clients work with us. It's a proven process. And so off we go. Oh, I've just realized I said process because I've been on these calls with Nigel too much. The word is process, but I've been <laughs> it's process. Nigel. He's, well, I say process. he's a process, process. Guy, And I've picked I it up. Process. Ah. Process. process, yeah, but it, it becomes it just becomes your SOP, right? We yeah. get paid up front yeah. for these types of projects. As everyone has said, I think in the chat today as well, if it's a larger project, okay, maybe you can't take a hundred percent up front, but staged payments absolutely. Nice. And yeah. that first stage, I've now learned, is cash in bank. First stage is cash in bank. It's not here's an invoice and we'll get it thirty mm. days, and we've already committed tons of engineering to this. 
It's cash in bank on the first one and then staged payments after that. I love it. I think there's so much here to take on from getting get, getting the right expectations, getting paid properly up front, getting things paid on time, and then chasing up if people still aren't paying on time. You know what I think was the most – the part that helped the most in my instance was telling the story of why, like helping the clients understand the reason why. That was the biggest thing, I think. And I, I literally spoke to them. Like I explained the situation, and it was – Quite simply, hey, if you guys want us to be around to support you like we do now, today, tomorrow, and into the future, like I can't just be a bank anymore. I'm shit at it. Simple as that. Like I, I will likely go out of business because I'll make a stupid That's decision. Three more. That's three. That's three. Oh, sorry, guys. <laughs> sorry. I'll make a stupid decision and um and then you lose us, right? And I don't want that to happen. And so we could either spend all our time trying to worry about credit control or spend all that time worrying about delivering freaking awesome IT support to you guys. And that's what I want to focus on. And and the more I got that across with passion and the story around nearly going out of business twice in there with significant sums of money for us, um, the easier it was for clients to go, yeah, okay, we can figure out a way to do it and we'll, we'll come to the middle or we'll meet this way or whatever. And and as we said, kind of sitting with people and trying to understand their payment terms to make – because every business – like we, as a business owner, we all just want to put in – process slash process around our accounts payable so that we don't have to pay every single day and as invoices come in. So we we still should try and understand their their methods to, to when they do plan on paying things so we can try and work a way that works for both of us. And that that might mean that you just got to get your, your second payment done, like pay for two months up front to get a month in advance and then you're, you're good to go. You, it doesn't matter if you're 14 days late or whatever then because we've got that extra main payment in advance from you. I quite like that as well. I've got a client where they are I mean, they're a bigger organization, so we just can't get them to pay any quicker. They're just big and clumsy yeah. and awkward, right? Yeah. But their yeah. Azure bills are now 25000 a month. Um, and so we, we, use the, we use the Amex trick. That's great. Yep. So, you know, we get, we get invoiced around about the first by PAX 8. Um, unfortunately, the invoice detail isn't available on Azure subscriptions for about four or five days. Mm. So I can't invoice the client till about the fifth of the month. Yeah. And then I'm saying to them, seven-day payment terms. Because yeah. I need that money yeah. in because Pax8 only give me 14 days, yeah. of which I only really get 10. That goes on the Amex. But they are consistently paying 30 to 35 days. Mm. And so I'm like, I'm just trapped in this cycle of bankrolling 25K on the Amex. Someone mentioned in the chat box that the way they do that is they they figure out approximately how much it's going to be and make sure that part's paid up front and some put up front. And then they just true up once a month, like after in arrears. Yeah. We used to do that with some backup services that we had where we we, there was a variable component that had to be done each month. And we just trued up in arrears for that minor variable component on top. But the whole base Uh, of it was... I like that. Yeah. And I like what you said about saying, look, you know, we expect your your usage is going to be this. You know, we can't yeah. give you 60-day payment terms. So we're going to charge you two months in advance, yeah. or three months in advance like that. so that we have that. And if there's a true up that needs to happen, cool. You know, we, we can do, do that too. Or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, they're a large enough organization. They have the cash resources that we could do that. But again, it's just a mindset thing for us yeah. to go, okay, this, this is a consistent challenge. So what we're going to do is change how we bill you and we're going to bill you more upfront than we do today. Um, I really like that. I think that's, that's a fantastic suggestion. I'm just going to pick up quickly on a few comments in the chat about um, trying to get the cards. Uh, Ryan, yeah. James, it's well worth I had a, I had an issue when I signed up for my card because I had a personal account. And for some reason, when I went through for a business account, my credit check score came through a zero on a business account and i had to go so far down the line to try and speak to somebody in, in american express to figure out what was going on because i'm like we've got good credit like everything's right like why can't we get approved um 
So if you are getting rejected from a card, then um, then get in touch with them and, and say, look, why? I've got good credit. I've got my own card, you know, my personal card. There's no reason why you shouldn't get accepted. Um, so so at least try and push that bit further if, if you do want to get a, a business card as well. <laughs> um, also, Richard's, um, I think, is going to share some things in just a moment. But um, we did a very similar thing. But for those of you that don't have maybe the funds to pay for somebody to go and phone or, or a VA or someone to actually chase things, we did a load of stuff through just automation with Xero mm. and account yeah. packages. Um, automation. So we did exactly the same process. We sent a reminder email before it was due to say like, you know, just remind you it's tomorrow's the day for payment, like making sure you can pay and all that kind of stuff. Then it was a day after if it was overdue, then it would be like four days and seven days. And I I think we had a automation set up. So it got all the way to, I think it was 14 or 30 days overdue. And basically the messages got more and more threatening as the, uh, time went on to your services yeah. will be cut off and, and stopped yeah and um the, the beauty with that is because if it does get to that stage obviously at some point in that stage you should be phoning them to make sure they've actually got the invoice and are going to make the payment because having just an email automatic chaser and then cutting account off isn't really great but if it does get to that stage then you can cut the accounts off or pause email delivery or whatever it's going to be to try and like really really kind of force them to do that if you need to and then if you get that shirty phone call, oh, it's just automated system. It's automated. Control. It did its thing. Sorry. Um, and you can also have that integrated with things like your PSA tool. Uh, yes. I, was just I, know, mention that. I know with NetWise where yeah. um, if, a, if a customer went on hold, it would update the client. So if anybody went right. into a ticket, it would flag up a message and say, this client is on hold. Yeah. Don't do any work. Um, you know, Get in contact at the accounts team or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, so I think Richard's got a few. Have you got your emails to share from yeah. those zero well, reminders? I was going to say, we used to do this when, you know, it doesn't matter your accounts package, whatever, but go into the settings and the default settings that they will have will be a little bit wishy-washy is probably the best way to put it. And this goes for most of the accounts packages. So when we were in MSP, we were using like QuickBooks and then Sage and things like that. You can go in and tweak these. So what we set up and we still got this, I still use this in my business to this day. We've got, uh, let's have a look. We've got due in three days. That's a reminder. So three days before it sends. Uh, We've got seven days overdue, 14 days overdue, 21 days overdue, those type of things. And we've got them set up as default within our uh, zero uh, accounts package. Now, we've already established from today's uh, frivolities that Nigel Moore, the illustrious leader of the Tech Tribe, has got away with words. So I'm going to say up front that a lot of the wording that we use (laughs) now in our... Uh, in our reminders has come directly from Nigel. So Nigel, you and I had a conversation about this probably a couple of years ago when MSPs were saying, "What what's the wording that I can use? And, um, you know, so we, we use some of your wording, which I think is right. spot on. So if right. I if I share some of the, uh, the wording now, so uh, the email comes through to them, a reminder that it's due in three days. It's a, hi, it's Richard's colleague, um, so-and-so, so Karina here. This is a gentle reminder that your bill for such-and-such is due on this date. We're expecting payment on this date, but I wanted to check, do you ever think you need to order in order to pay this bill? Please right. hit reply and let me know if there's anything you need. I'd be happy to help. If you've already paid the invoice, please ignore this email, smiley face, blah, blah, blah. So that's the first thing that we send. So make it a human-facing email rather than just like, yeah. your oh, bill yeah. is due and blah, 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 blah. And then when we get to the overdue ones... We start using, as people saying, not threatening or threatening language, but much more stern. So, like uh, 21 days uh, or uh, seven days overdue. We've sent reminders. However, the attached invoice is still overdue. What's going on? 
<laughs> we really want to avoid our system automatically turning. Yeah, I remember writing those exact words. <laughs> this is that. Nigel's work, so expect yeah. the profanity any minute. We really want to avoid <laughs> the system automatically turning on credit hold. So please, can you organize payment now? If the system turns on credit hold, we will not be able to help you with any further work until the credit hold has been turned off. And then there's a bit, Nigel, this is definitely your wording. As you know, we need to make sure we keep a tight handle on our extending credit to make sure we're still around tomorrow. There you go. <laughs> yep. Speaking loudly and positively and blah, blah, blah. And it goes on from there. Uh, and right. then, so I think, you know, again, thank you, Nigel, for, for, for providing that, that language without the profanity. I'll remove that. <laughs> but, uh, I haven't heard them for years. I wrote them like eight years ago or something. It's inside the yeah. Tech Tribe library, those emails, I think, still. Somewhere exactly. But the, the point here is turn on the reminders. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Do not worry about over-communicating uh, yeah. because, as we've already talked about, you can say, oh, it's a system and it's the policy, blah, 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 blah. And secondly, use human language yeah. because yeah. when these emails come in, if people get an email that says, your invoice for such and such is like people turn off and like, yeah, 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 whatever. If it comes through from a person, as an email from a person with human language in it, people pay more attention to yeah. it. We've had yeah, replies yeah. to these emails and stuff, so definitely a tip I thought worth throwing out. But thanks, Nigel, for, for giving us the language for that one. And there, there was the one in there as well that, as Pete said, we, we used to use ConnectWise in our MSP, and we had it set to whatever day it was, automatically put them on credit hold. And there was the email that sent the thing out saying, oh, no, um, our system's just automatically put you on credit hold. We hate seeing this happen give us a call ASAP. And that was always after a phone call. We had a phone call like seven days before that, I think in the mix, but that last one was that. And, um, and when a client gets automatically put on credit hold once or twice, we, well, the, sorry, I should rewind and say that better. We never had a client get automatically put on credit hold more than twice. Once they had it twice, they, um, they learned like this, we're a squeaky wheel. We're going to be squeaky all the time. We're automatically going to cut your services off. If you don't pay via this time, we never lost a client over that. We never lost any clients over any of those sort of term things. There was a couple, like minor couple of uncomfortable conversations that we had to have in there. Um, but it was overall, it was very positive from everybody um, in there. And it's just as Pete, uh, sorry, as Richard said, just human language, put a human behind that whole thing. The, the, the human bulldog, as you said before, but put a human in there and human and humor, if you can as well, a little bit of humor in an accounts receivable process goes a long, 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 long way. Right. What have we got? Some more questions in there. I see a bunch of comments about the Amex thing. You um, you sparked a. You probably just got. You need an affiliate link for Amex. I'm sure I can get an affiliate. Let, let me find my affiliate link. <laughs> what was that? How is the influencer deal going with uh, Amex, Pete? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I couldn't like that. That credit card points one is huge. Like we ran like all of our suppliers in Australia, all distributors took credit cards, including Amex for no extra surcharge, which was amazing because all of our credit card companies out here give 45-day terms typically, 45 or 55 days interest-free. That was huge. So we were still able to invoice all our clients up front for everything and then get 55-day terms on our, our invoices that we paid our, our vendors. And um, and that meant that like our, we for the last four or five years in my MSP, our cash flow was always awesome. We never It wasn't just good or average or struggling. It was awesome. We always had loads of cash in the bank and never, ever, ever had a bill payment. And it was just because of those little tricks like Pete just said then, like these, these terms and whatnot. There was another point I had in here, two points just quickly that I'll touch on. Um, one that I see happen a lot in MSPs and it used to happen to us is when you're an MSP where, where you charge a lot of work, a lot of different ticket types and whatever, all under one invoice. And that typically happened in the early stages where you'd, of my business where we'd invoice at the end of the month for all the work during the month. And what would happen then is if a client then had an, a query on one particular ticket in that entire big invoice, 
they would hold that whole invoice up for the whole time. And so probably a couple of years into my journey, I swapped across to invoicing per ticket. So every single ticket had its own invoice and the front page was a really nice overview of it. And then behind the page was all the, the time entries and whatever that went towards that particular ticket. And that meant that if a client wanted to hold that back for whatever reason, they had, uh, we had a thing in there that said, hey, any invoice queries or whatever, please make sure you sort them out within like seven days or 14 days or something and then go from there. But that, um, that individual ticket thing meant that they could only hold up that invoice payment, none of the other ones um, from that previous thing in time. And that was that was really helpful when um, whenever we had invoice queries, which wasn't too often, but it does happen from time to time where someone wants to query something in there for whatever reason. And it's normally when we, we didn't set good expectations up front. Um, See, and we, the other we, one the that I wanted to just... We, we tried to get it, one invoice. That, that, you know, having that for our and our, our clients would be like 30 invoices a month for your 30 tickets. Yes. We tried to then it all down to one invoice. Yeah. Uh, that was how we got them on to manage services, right? That was, um, <laughs> <laughs> it was like, oh, you don't you like don't 30 invoices each invoices. month. <laughs> yeah, you don't like 30 invoices each month. Let me talk to you about our, our main offering that every other client is on apart from you. Um, so, yeah, the, it was a – I didn't like having to give invoice 30 invoices a month. We never had any that were 30, but – but there was a lot um, and I didn't like doing it, but I knew it was a little bit of extra friction as well to, to get them across to some sort of fixed fee agreement in there in some way, yeah. shape or form. But the other thing I wanted to talk about briefly there is the payment terms on managed service agreements as well. I see a lot of like a managed service agreement by its very nature in our industry is a prepaid upfront agreement. And, it's, and I see a lot of MSPs go, okay, well, it's the first of the month, so I'm going to do my invoicing now and send the invoices out to clients. And to me, that's too late. That's, yeah. that's weeks too late. And I, like, I'm not going to blame you because I did the exact same thing for years until I realized that you could, you could do it way early. And I saw someone in the chat that was doing it the same way we would. We would date the invoice on the first, of, like if it was a June's managed service payment, we would date it in our system as the first of June, but we would send it mid-May, like the second week of May, we would send it out to the client and it would, have a, it would be a CBD term. So that was cash before delivery, which meant, which meant that it was due and payable by the 1st of June in there. And now we, I'm not going to say that we had every client 100% pay by the 1st of June, but most were done by the first week of June maximum in there. And most most got into a habit of being done before 1st of June. And that was before, like nowadays you've got all these go-cardless and all these things that make it so much easier to just ping automatically. And we didn't have any of that stuff as easy as it is nowadays back then. But to me, I think like if you're an MSP and you're doing your managed service agreements, um, sending them on the first of the month and then giving terms on top of that, you've really got scope to pull that backwards a little bit further and, and get it back into the previous month somewhere in there and, um, and get it paid. That does also apply with um, Go Cardless though as well because if you're dating your invoices for the first of the month but sending them the week before or two weeks before, then at least payment for Go Cardless will get taken on the day of right. the due date yeah, awesome. rather right. than sending them today on the first of the month and then you've got to wait direct debit rules. I think it's like three business oh, days, couple um, days before you can actually charge it. So there's there's right. some certain delays you get. So yeah, if you if you bill it beforehand, um, with the right dates on it, then yeah, ab- absolutely well worth doing. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a challenge for me. At the minute. We use zero and go cardless kind of integrated together, which is lovely for direct debit collections. But we're saying invo- invoice goes out on the first. Um, it's due by the seventh day of the month or whatever, and then go cardless will collect. But we're actually getting paid around about the fourteenth by go cardless. Right, yeah. Because it's waiting until the 7th and and then it's applying to the bank. And so we're getting like between the the 12th and the 14th typically is when we get paid. So again, based on all these conversations today, those monthly invoices are now going to go out due on the 1st, payment on the 1st, and the direct debit will then immediately start that collection process. 
So we should have that within our bank within the first seven days rather than yeah. sometime in 14 yeah. or 15 days. Yeah. Awesome. Right. Um, the other thing I just wanted to ask, and, and I guess it's an opinion, and I probably know the answer is we've talked a lot about, you know, putting people on credit hold and saying, hey, we're going to, you know, curtail your services or not offer any services, which is nice and easy when it's managed services. But what about, like, how do we feel this applies to licenses? And I, I want to ask this very pointedly because the 1st of March is coming and yep. new commerce mm. experience is coming to Microsoft. And there's, you know, there's some hard commitments in there now that, that they're unavoidable. If the client goes into this one-year commitment, that bill's coming out every month, whether they use it or not. If you choose to put their services on hold, do they are they still liable for those things when they couldn't use the services on the days that you've withheld their capability because they haven't paid? How right. how well are our credit terms or our MSP terms written to say if we put you on hold, you'll still pay for the days for as long as you're on hold? I think that comes down to what's in your terms and conditions because yeah. I know certainly what's, what I've seen here is that um, you can use payment on, on account, so to speak, to pay any invoice balance. Correct. So even yeah. if they've paid for a one invoice that's for the whole year, but actually there's another invoice that's a more recent, you know, more, more time, time prominent thing, you can say, well, actually, I'm going to use the balance you paid on the 365 annual invoice to pay for this month's service that you haven't paid for yet. So maybe <laughs> there's, there's some way of working around it through through that instead. But it does come down okay. to your terms and conditions. Yeah. Terms I was going to say, it very much it depends on our terms, doesn't it? And right. I'd imagine there's a lot of MSPs right now who are busy reviewing their terms because of these changes that are coming kind of 1st March onwards. So maybe it's a great time to look at you know, payment in advance, payment terms in general, annual commitments that we're having to lock in. Say, hey, look, you can't change these things. You know that they're locked in, and also let's review that. You know, if we put you on hold terminology, and just make sure that's in there as well, and that at no stage do you end up putting a client on hold for a week because they're late paying, and then they say, "Well, we haven't had service or licenses for a week, so I ain't paying for those." We want to make sure all of that's really tied down. There's yeah. some great templates in the Tech Tribe, Nigel, for for MSP terms and conditions and terms yeah. of service. Yeah, and some of those things um, are different based on jurisdictions around the world as well. So that, that whole point of when you can bill for service. So you've got to be careful in your local jurisdictional area around rules. And the US is probably the worst at that. Um, so be very careful over there about how you do that sort of stuff, whether you're going to collect on stuff that you've turned services off on. Um, but again, as Pete said, a lot of it can be covered in the way your terms are worded. And and in the tech tribe, we've got some terms around that, especially around our choice of how payments get allocated against things. That I believe is in our standard terms and conditions in there as well as that invoices can't be like if you're paying for a month that month is a month as a whole if you're like you can't tally up and take five days out of it because you didn't pay for those five days and we had to go and turn it off because you didn't pay um so you just got to be the best way is to just double check with whoever your lawyer is and you all do have a lawyer i'm sure because it's wildly important to have someone that you can ask about these things that, that knows your areas know your knows your rules properly in there um, but ask them about it just to make sure that you are covered in there because there is some areas where if you you do that, block their service, then you can get in trouble around trying to collect money for that particular service. Out there. You've got it's to also, it depends how you block their services. Because with services yeah. like Mimecast, you can pause email delivery, which means it will still receive it into the system. It just won't deliver it to the client. Yeah. 
So if they're not going to yeah. pay for it, well, that's fine. I'll just delete the next, like, the last week's worth of emails that we've got stored in, in your inbox. Well, <laughs> um, <laughs> you should do that. <laughs> well, no. Yeah, it's one of those but things like... The service has still been there and it's still doing its thing. It's just correct, you haven't yeah. had access to it, you know. Correct. It's been when you think about it, essentially, like, Microsoft is... Like, if they went direct to Microsoft, Microsoft aren't going to go, oh, should we turn your service off or on? Or, like, yeah. Microsoft, oh, the bank, yeah. cut it off. Like, you haven't paid oh. us, you cut it off. And if you want to join again, you're paying the bill based on our... our paying that bill to catch up because we delivered your service for part of that month or whatever it is. And, and an MSP should be thinking in the same way in that we're now delivering this service in the same way. We're going to adopt same or similar terms to the way Microsoft or any other cloud service provider builds these things out there because that's essentially what we're doing. We're re rebuilding that out there. So it is a good point, Scott. It's a tough one because you just got to, you've also, part of it, you've just got to work out how, um, how comfortable you are doing those things as well. Like you've got your brand personality to put into that mix as well. And, um, and you kind of got to make sure that it aligns with the way you do things as a company and, um, and whatnot. So there's a little bit of leeway that everybody's got in there to go there. But you do have to err on your side more than most because you give anybody an inch and they'll run a mile and you have a business to, to build and a family to support and a team to support. And you do have to make sure that you're looking after that pretty vehemently. I can't pronounce that word, vehemently or whatever the word is. Strongly. Strongly. That'll do. <laughs> You've got to look Vehemently? after yourself and your team, right? Otherwise, you just won't be there. Vehemently. Yeah, there's yeah. something like that. There's <laughs> something like that. But anyway. And uh, James, James is absolutely right. By the way, just a quick shout out to James Dyke. He's uh, made the point for the new commerce experience. I won't bang on about it too much. But um, for those customers where you want to get them into an annual commitment, but they do still want some element of flex, if you're doing new commerce experience on any line item, so Microsoft 365 Business Premium, if they've got 100 users, you can commit 90 users for the whole year, ah. and then you could have 10 users on the monthly flex. Now, the monthly flex is 20%, it's, it's yeah, a right. 20 more expensive, but it still lets them have the commitment at the lower price point and yeah, then have right. that 20% flex, yeah. uh, sorry, 10% flexibility. Makes complete sense. I like it. Good point, James. Right. What else have we got in here? I, I wrote a couple of things down. I think I'm... I want to cover off invoice factoring very briefly. Yeah, let's do that for the last couple of minutes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I've never used it, so you, you guys go. You've <laughs> never used it either. I've, I've never used it either, but I'm, I'm thinking about it strongly. So right. essentially invoice factoring, for those who don't know, is that you can work with a third-party finance agency, and essentially they will pay you your invoices on the day that you issue them. So you issue the invoice to the client, you get paid by the finance agency. If the client wants to take 30 days to pay, they can take 30 days and then they can pay the finance agency. If they are late, if there's any delays, if there's any issues, it's up to the finance agency to chase the customer. You got paid day one. Now, there will always be a service charge for this. It might be 3% of the invoice value or whatever it is. So you could have in your invoicing, hey, here's your invoice, Mr. Customer, or in the agreement with the customer, if you're happy to pay day one cash in bank, then here's the price and we'll give you a 5% discount. If you'd like 30-day payment terms, then it's the full price. In other words, no 5% discount. And that 5% you know, that you've added in, essentially, is to cover your 3% service charge that you're going to get from the invoice factoring company and an extra 2% for the extra hassle and pain and admin that you're going to have to do to get that set up. But either way, either the customer pays directly and they think they're getting a 5% discount and you get cash in bank day one, or they get their 30 day payment terms and you get cash in bank day one. And you're yeah. not out of pocket for the invoice factoring. 
So there's, there's definitely agencies out there that I think that, that's a really interesting option yeah. that I'm also looking at right now, especially for some of these ones where we're having to bankroll sort of 25K a month because they're just slow at paying. Yeah, yeah. And it might be yeah. worth using those services for specific projects that come up as well uh, to do that. So we've had people talking about, you know, we've had 200K or 50K's worth of professional services. Uh, that might be something where the your appetite for risk, that's too way beyond it. You know, for some people, it's going to be 5K, 10K, 100K. You know, you could go to the company specifically with those and build it into the, uh, you know, to the quotation that you're doing or the proposal, knowing that you're going to go 5% beyond uh, for that so that's just a thought on it yeah 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 we we used one to more, work with thing. finance companies locally on on any bigger deals and the, the, even i don't know if it's the same over there but out here like the microsoft's and the hp's had their own financing departments and as long as you had hp kit or microsoft product in a deal they would even finance all of the the service and labor and everything right. to do with that particular deal and so so we used to do that a lot in in things we had our own preferred one that we worked with as well and that meant that we got all the cash and again, everything up front. It was like similar to factoring, but the clients essentially financing directly with them. But the, the mechanics of it looked the same to us. And um, and that's that was awesome as well. We had it on the bottom of every project invoice was or from $680 a month or whatever it happened to be, talk to us for more details. And, um, and we had a number of conversations about that that helped get the clients over the line on larger things that they might have been going, ah, like I don't have the 40 grand now, but I really need this thing. But oh, what, 600 bucks a month? Like, let's talk about it a bit more. And that helped yeah. get them across the line. Again, we were paid up front. Like, it was awesome for us on those ones. Um, sorry, Pete, you're going to say Just Just briefly, I know we've, we've got only a few minutes left or so. Um, I think it's worth just mentioning that when you're kind of thinking about your payment terms, think about you know, collecting cash up in front and everything, don't worry about your existing customers at the moment. Just, just think about what can you implement now for your new clients coming forward because it's a lot easier to do that from day one and say, well, this is how we do it. This is day one. This is how we do our payment terms. And then figure out how to get your existing clients over onto that as well. Um, I run into that a lot with support pricing and packaging, those kind of things. You want to look at your future clients and go, this is what we want to be selling, <laughs> rather than worrying about how you're going to get everyone over onto this new pricing, new invoicing yeah. system, like whatever it's going to be. Um, so don't don't worry and stress. Don't don't let that affect your judgment of, oh, I don't think that client's going to gonna pay on those terms. Because um, that would just ruin things for you. So just yeah, just focus on the future. Agreed. We we are going to use new commerce experience as a, as an opportunity to change a lot of that as well, because we're having to make a big shift in the annual commitments and the monthly flex, and so we're going to use that as an opportunity to change around the payment terms. We we do bill in advance, but when I'm talking about saying you know things are paid on the first and due on the first, then collected within a few days, making those types of changes immediately. Uh, because we have this kind of catalyst, so I think it's it's a, a good opportunity for us to you know review those. Agreed. There we go. We had an hour long conversation about credit and credit terms and finance and all the the most boring, unsexy stuff that could ever happen, but is the most important stuff behind the scenes in an MSP or any business. Because as I saw mentioned a couple of times in there, cash flow is king. It's that that um, quote is done to death, but it's no truer word in business is that your cash flow defines everything, not only from like um, uh, making sure you can pay everybody, but from the mental energy, like the mental energy that cash problems can can put on you and mental health problems that can put on you that can take you away from caring about the business and caring about your clients and caring about your team and wanting to go and do all the visionary stuff that you want to do is huge. And so just the cost of that is worth more than more than anything else in there to make sure that you get your, your cash flow sorted out in there. So with that, I think it's time to finish up. We're a couple of minutes over, as always. Um, 
I'm going to hand over to the, the wrap up artist, Pete, to do his thing. <laughs> Point somewhere. Scott, thank you so much. Yep. As always, same thing every week. Um, thank you for watching. Thanks for joining us. We're going down below Scott today for the subscribe button. So uh, <laughs> if you're watching this, if you're not already watching this on YouTube, head over to the YouTube channel. I think I've seen a few comments of the LinkedIn being a bit jerky in audio and video quality. So oh, um, the, the, the best LinkedIn. place to go, I would say, definitely go to YouTube in future yeah. and just go straight for that. Yeah. Um, obviously, LinkedIn is just kind of a bit of an extra reach for us um, with our kind of uh, connections on there. So yeah, subscribe on there. Uh, use the link down below if you're not already a Tech Tribe member. There's like 50% off the first month. So that'd be down there too. Subscribe to the podcast. This is in audio format if you don't want to look at our beautiful faces every single week <laughs> uh, whilst you're driving your car or something. So that is on all your favorite platforms. And um, yeah, I think that's everything. And then we're going to have a chat in a minute about what we're going to talk about next week. Yeah, <laughs> we'll figure it all out. <laughs> awesome. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks all. Thanks, everyone. Bye for now.